Good morning to each one of you. Good to be with you this morning. Seems like it's been a little while and um, feels like we're moving away from snowstorms and moving towards spring here with the sunshine we're having. And also I'm seeing some 70 degree temperatures towards the weekend. So just so you know, strawberry season will be here before you know it. Well, um, I sometimes am a little bit slow, and so I have, a, I have a sermon this morning or a study or whatever for you about New Year's resolutions. And just so you know, I was going to preach this sermon the Sunday that we buried Wesley, which was January the 3rd, and it would have been timed appropriately then, but... We had other things we were about that day, and dear Wesley's going on. Rosie's still with with us, and she misses him. We miss him. But here we are today, and um, I have this sermon. To be quite honest, which is a good New Year's resolution, I'll use this as a Bible study I found back in Amherst uh, in 2016, Dan, and you may have been there with me, so you may remember some of this. Uh, so it's, it was a useful, a useful study for me, and, but one that's been on my mind a lot, and I think dovetails nicely with some of Galen's comments in the opening and our lesson even from today, which is about sacrifices. Uh, we'll see what God's idea of a good sacrifice is. So, um, not really apologizing about the timing of New Year's resolution sermon. The fact is, and here's this is quotable, uh, the present is always a good time to be preparing for the future. Now, it may not be original, I'm not sure, but it, it came out of um, somewhere back in my mind, and I think that's a, a good quote. So, uh, that could be something you'd even write down and take home. There's scripture in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that even if we're fainting in our outward body, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So there is a daily renewal that we as Christians want to be experiencing as we go through life. So even if it's March, there's time. There's uh, uh, like my children sometimes get tired of hearing me say, today's the first day of the rest of your life which is also true, but very cliche. <clears throat> Some thoughts on New Year's resolution. Well, the New Year lends itself well to resolution because you get a fresh page on the calendar, you have new projects coming up, new goals, new planting seasons. Uh, since we measure time by days, weeks, and years, a whole new year feels like a new coloring book and a fresh pack of crowns. You've got lots of possibilities there. What couldn't you do with 365 days? The sky's the limit. There's a lot of things you could change about yourself or improve or uh, things you could accomplish. I Googled it and um, got 38 million results. Took, would have taken a year to read them. Um, the top 13 New Year's resolutions include some of these, lose weight, quit smoking, get more education, get a better job, get fit, get eat healthy, save money, manage debt, take trips, drink less alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
you fill in the blanks. Do we notice a pattern there? I'm not sure if you're catching on, but they seem pretty self-centered. It looks like a common starting point for self-improvement is me. Is that a problem? Who should know me and my needs or my goals better than myself? Uh, it occurred to me that there are resolutions in the Bible, and one prominent one is found in Isaiah chapter 14, where Satan himself says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That was a resolution that Satan was putting forth for himself. He had plans and goals and dreams. He resolved to improve his position. So I think my point here is, and that brings us to the crux of my, my lesson, that often our resolutions are aimed at benefiting us. Things that would improve life for us from our perspective are often pride-based, and that's not God's way for us. Who would know better than us what's good for us? Well, Namely, our maker would, God himself. David is a good example of making resolutions that please God. Who was David? Let's think about him just a little bit. David was a shepherd boy. He was a giant killer, a man of faith. He was loyal, courageous, a man after God's own heart, a king and godly leader of his people. Pretty impressive man, but he was also an adulterer, a murderer, a poor father in a number of cases at least, and a disobedient king, the same man. And are we conflicted sometimes with the, the battle inside ourselves and who we are and should be and who we uh, want to be? The reason God loved David was his humility in sharp contrast to Satan's pride. The beginning of true humility is a recognition of God's omniscience and omnipresence. Now, a lot of times when I come up front here, I like to bring a paper bag and have an object lesson. I couldn't think of any this morning. It's too big of a lesson to, have, to keep in a paper bag. If we're talking about God and His Omniscience, of course, means that he knows everything. And his omnipresence means that he's everywhere. Those two ideas are just too big to fit inside of even this building or inside of this universe. Parents, this is a great truth to teach your little ones. It's a lesson we can all learn again and again. God knows everything, everything about us. And he is everywhere. It's a frightening realization to sinners, but what a comfort to saints. Let's see how David felt as he wrote about it. And you might have guessed where we're going to Psalms 139. This psalm has blessed me over and over again the last while as I've been preparing. I'm going to read... Most of the chapter, I'll, I'll snip a few verses out, but I'm going to read 1 through 18 and then verses 23 and 24. And uh, just ponder on God here and David thinking about God knowing all about him. 
Then we'll have a few comments at the end. <clears throat> King James Version. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, and whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they're more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David, thinking about his God. <clears throat> what a beautiful song. Let's uh, make an attempt at unpacking a little bit of this. Not a lot, and I'm sure you would have more thoughts on it as well. But this lovely psalm describes how God knows all about us, whoever we are and wherever we are. <clears throat> Reminded me of Galen's opening where he told us that God is caring and involved. God knows where we are, who we are, what we are, and he wants to help us. He wants to improve us into his image. Interesting, David starts out much like he ends uh, this passage by saying that God has already searched and known him. He says, past tense, thou hast searched me and known me. And then from verses 2 to 6, he amplifies on the many ways that God knows him. He knows when he sits down. He knows when he stands up. He understands his thoughts from far away. He compasses, he, he understands David's path and is lying down. He's acquainted with all of David's ways. He knows all about David's speech habits, what, ha what he says, what he's going to say, and his patterns of speech. God just knows all about us, doesn't he? <clears throat> 
verse 5 is can be a little bit of a problem for a proud person. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. What does beset mean? It's a little bit of the idea of when Moses wanted to see God's glory and God tucked him into that cleft in the rock and put his hand over him. Well, depending who you are, that position might be quite restrictive. You're tucked into a rock. You can't really move around much. You can't do your thing when you're beset by God. When when God is holding you firmly in his hand, you don't have wiggle room for your flesh, do you? But what a comfort when that's where you want to be. And that's what David is saying. This isn't, I want to do it my way. This is, God, I'm fine with you besetting me, with you hemming me in. I I want to live life with you. God knows all about us anyway. Uh, And time and time again, I keep bumping into this thought. Humility and living life for God, living life God's way is agreeing with God. We don't change anything when we accept Jesus, when we accept life God's way. We just come into alignment with God. God already knows all about us. He has a plan for us, and we move on into that. Here's where I would have thought of bringing an object lesson, maybe a paper airplane. What are the wings of the morning? Um, My paper airplanes never went real far, so it probably wouldn't have fit. But I was sitting at my desk this morning watching the sun come up. And do you know how long it took for the sunbeams to get over my hill and in my window this morning? Not much time at all. The sun is 93 million miles away, right? And those beams came quickly through my window. David said, if I took the wings of the morning, if I traveled at the speed of light and I traveled to the uttermost parts of the sea, God would be there before I got there. He's already there waiting for me. He knows my destination. The darkness doesn't hide from God. Night shines like day. Day and night are alike to God. So really, our best place is just to align ourselves with God, accept his presence, be blessed by his presence. That's where we want to be. Then he moves into the the next number of verses about God's knowledge of his formation from conception and even before to his actual body being delivered and then growing. God knows all about that. There's some amazing, amazing science in these verses. Prior to conception even, Curiously wrought in the heart of the earth, the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. God knew what his physical body would be like. And look at this. Um, How precious are thy thoughts toward me, unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. And I can almost picture God having a plan. We know that he has good plans for us, right? 
Well, God had a plan for your body, how you would look, the color of your hair, how many hair you have or not. And God has thoughts for you about your way of life. He has plans for your good. And I think that his thoughts towards us are great. Verse 18 said, if I would count them, they're more in number than the sand. God has spent time on each of us. He has invested time in thinking about each of us and planning our lives. Does that feel restrictive? It does if you're proud. It feels restrictive if you want to run life your way. I want to do it my way. If you think God is hemming you in, this all feels restrictive. But if you say, God, you've searched me and known me, you know all about me anyway, then it feels like the best place to be, right where God wants us. So at the end, David repeats. Now we have David asking God what he knew God had done already. Remember the first verse he said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Now he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. David is coming into an alignment with God. Did it happen just once for David? Probably many times. I'd like to look at another psalm yet before we close. We won't read the whole thing, but Psalms 51. I'm sure you know that's a psalm at a low that David wrote at a low point of his life. After a successful career as a king, he had fallen into sin. This is when Nathan confronted him with his adultery with Bathsheba and the fact that he was a murderer. Nathan confronted him with truth. God knew. And you probably could recite a lot of that chapter. We won't read it. But I want to go down to verse verse 10 in chapter 51. And that's where David asked God, after he recognizes all the awfulness of his sin and he asks for mercy from God. In verse 10, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Is this a New Year's resolution? Here's my point that Once we acknowledge who God is and that God knows all about us and we invite him to examine us and we humbly come to him and we ask him what his plan is for us, then God can begin the creative work within us. That's when he can start with a humble person and build something beautiful in in his sight, something beautiful that will affect the world around us, the relationships we're in. Uh, So as a person, as a church, as a organization, whoever you are, humility before God is where God wants us to be to start building towards what we can become. Not a uh, self-benefiting, self-lifting up of self, 
but something that lifts God up, something that benefits those around us. That's when the joy of salvation is restored and we then find our purpose in teaching transgressors God's ways and converting sinners to Him. So that's my point this morning. God has plans for us. He has thoughts towards us. Let's be humble in this new year or this new week, new day. Let's be humble. Invite him in to do what he's already done. And as we acknowledge that work he wants to do in our lives, then God can create something that'll be more what he wants for us to be in this world. Thank you for listening.